Hello everyone, my name is Vanessa Menendez Covello and this is the Fresh Needle podcast where I interview fresh graduates and acupuncture students from all over the world and we discuss their experiences as students or running their own clinics, particularly in these very weird times of COVID-19. I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that is opening up for new graduates who are looking to build their acupuncture practice. Nava Karman is a leading acupuncturist and herbalist specializing in fertility, gynecology, and the immune system. She has run the fertility support company for over 20 years. Nava is launching a new mastermind group exclusively for new graduates. This mastermind group will meet every two weeks to provide mentoring, guidance, and inspiration, and will focus on clinical skills and the practicalities of building a business. This will be a close-knit group of practitioners who will work together for a year to develop the skills and habits required to be clinically effective and financially successful. I recently did a session with Nava, and what I like the most about it is how safe I felt about discussing my fears and worries. I came out of it with a list of very practical, achievable steps to implement change. There are only six places in the group, so you need to apply quickly. Go to www.fertilitysupport.expert forward slash graduate. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Liam Pace. Liam graduated from the University of Westminster in 2015, and he has a practice in Orpington in the UK. Liam is also launching an educational project on YouTube called A Better Pace, which I'm quite excited about. Welcome, Liam. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. It seems like we're finally seeing the light at the end of the lockdown tunnel. Well, yeah, for this I one, I would say, yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I've started walking every day and, and getting out of the house a little bit more. But lately, I'm a bit more optimistic that, than I was for a few weeks. Yeah, I th absolutely. I think, you know, with the change of seasons, with summer, uh, spring turning into summer as well, you you know, you've got that lovely exuberant feeling that you get with the, with the joy of summer coming. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it's actually going to be quite nice like we've had a nice spring why not have a nice summer as well please exactly exactly it's all going to it's all going to work out um so you and i were chatting about your experience earlier on mm -hmm. and you first had acupuncture for stress back in 2006 mm -hmm. so i have found in my personal experience and from treating patients that it works so so well and it's so much better than medication i think although of course everyone needs to do what works for them so can you tell us about how it how it was for you and obviously it launched you into this new career so yeah yeah absolutely well I'm you know I'm the walking talking cliche when it comes to acupuncture it it quite literally changed my life um at the time I was working in the media industry um as an assistant in uh, different places and I got made redundant three times in a year from jobs that were either on a temporary to permanent contract. I'd been promised it and then it didn't happen. And then a couple of other things happened. And it was a particularly stressful period for me. And my I tend to bottle my emotions up. So I was having a lot of issues around anger and um, liver chi stagnation. So I had started um, a Tai Chi class just as a means of uh, doing a bit of exercise and, and being sociable. And the teacher there was studying at LCTA. Oh, yeah. And um, he suggested that 
because he kept saying, drop your shoulders, drop your shoulders. I said, I can't. Like, this is, I am this tense. That's just how it is. Uh, and he said, why don't you go and try some acupuncture for it? So I thought, well, I'll give it a go and um, went along and saw a student practitioner. And um, over the course of four weeks, I got a little bit better every time. Um, but only only slightly you know it was it was barely if they hadn't been asking me questions about it I probably wouldn't have noticed the change but then around about fifth or sixth treatment I had the treatment so I would usually fall asleep during um during being treated I'm gone as soon as someone puts their hand I'm gone that's that's still true today but this one treatment I couldn't stop talking the whole way through I just had a real case of um, verbal diarrhea and um, came off the treatment table and it was it, it was one of these moments that only come very rarely, but I just felt totally elated. Um, and I went outside and the sun was shining, the sky was blue, the birds were singing, and I was I had this big grin on my face and people were just smiling back at me and I just had an epiphany moment. I thought, right, this is what I want to do. I want to share this feeling with people um, and and help them find this place as well. So I um, I decided to go back to university, but only after doing um, a bit of traveling first. Um, and that was, I went to Westminster in 2011. So. Yes, it was crazy. Yeah, stress, man. It's just like, I was going to say I'm glad to hear about your story, but obviously I'm not glad that you were under so much stress. But there are so many people working in industries that just the industry itself thrives on stress. So, mm, you know, course, I used to yeah. work. Yeah. yeah, I used to work in investment banking and investment banking, everyone gets made redundant at some point. Mm -hmm. At some point, that's just going to happen. It's just like a fact of life. Yeah. But that doesn't make anyone any relaxed about it. We're all kind of like really, really tense. I just think this has got to be slowly killing so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And not only is it the fear of having of the um, the sword of Damocles hanging over your head, but You've also got the nature of the business as well. I, I have some experience working with people who uh, work in the corporate world and corporate and media um, structure is very much the same. It's, you know, you're you're in early and you're out late. And then when you're not there, you're networking in inverted commas and um, you're out and about and it's a constant drain on your not only your chi but your mental health as well um, and burnout is is so real in those industries and um, yeah even, even if you're not made redundant you still get that highly stressed um, environment and it, it will affect you and for me it affected me because I internalize everything in in the way that it did, it, it made me very angry. But you see not only anger, but you see um, fear and grief in people in in those industries quite a lot as well. I would say. 
Yes, because there was a point at which I was thinking, because a lot of those um, big banks, they actually have like gyms and GPs on board, like you have a GP on site and osteopaths. Mm -hmm. And at some point I was thinking, actually, that would be like a good business model, set up a little acupuncture clinic and people could take an hour off their day and come and relax. But then I thought, yes, but do I actually want to be in that environment? If I'm, Even yeah, if I'm yeah. being an acupuncturist, do I want all that? energy all that evil chi around me yeah <laughs> evil yeah. chi meaning that you know that it's affecting you know that they are able they're all fine <laughs> no it's interesting as um as you know i i have uh, an amateur interest in in feng shui and um the the idea that you may be working in a building that is working against you already i think is is very interesting and there's certainly been places where I've worked previously that I've thought this I don't feel right here it's I don't feel in tune with my environment or I don't feel like I can um, make a positive contribution because of not only the people that you're around and what's coming from them but also the 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 actual physical environment too Oh my God, I had one moment, I remember. Um, so this was um, a really, really big investment bank and they had a trading floor. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a huge area and only one wall had um, windows. And then in the corner, there was like a little Costa coffee shop. So a colleague and I had um, got our coffees and we were facing the trading floor with our backs to the window. And I just looked at it and I thought, we're being factory farmed. Yeah. It looked like a factory farm, like rows after rows of people crammed in there producing. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's the business to function for um for corporations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the guy that I follow, he um he is one of the best in the world. He is the guy who is responsible for um doing the feng shui for the Battersea power station development because oh, nice yeah it's a, that's a huge contract you know the the company that is that has been um making that happen is uh, chinese based and he's um he's based in malaysia he's chinese malaysian though um and he also did he's also done some other really big projects around london uh and he has not boasted, but he's quite plainly said, my minimum contract to have me do this work for you is $500,000. Um, so, you know, he's he's pretty good, obviously. So, Yes, well, clearly, but in a way, actually, that tells me that, you know, the clients do actually acknowledge the value of it, that they mm. know that there is a change depending on how you, I don't know, orient your things or, or mm. organize your environment. Because mm. what I have actually seen is um, as well that people that are now working from home, like my husband's working from home and he's so much happier yeah. because he's not in, he's not being factory farmed at the moment. He's free range. <laughs> <laughs> if he hears me, he's going to kill me. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. his, his office here is nice. And we've yeah. got a dog that's now sitting here snoring next to us. Yeah. Actually, does Feng Shui do say anything about pets? um not that i've come across although you know i've always considered pets to be a great source of joy um yeah. it has always been 
I, I remember mentioning to a couple of clients who've come in with um, very low spirits, you know, almost depressive-like qualities. Have you considered getting uh, a cat or or a dog because they they do bring that sense of joy so easily, um, especially dogs, you know, wagging tails and smiley faces. I mean, how can you not be happy, right? Oh, absolutely. I never had a pet and I was quite scared of getting a pet because I never mm. had. And um, we got the dog and I was absolutely blown away by the amount of joy that he's brought us. Mm. This pure happiness that's not, it's not conditional. It's not like, yeah. I mean, he does love us because we feed him because he's a pug. So anything related to food is going to be very conditional for him. Yeah. <laughs> but even if we didn't, he still loves us. And I wonder actually how that, you know, it really helps, at least me, helps me balance my emotions. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because I always have this sense of responsibility. Yeah. And then, then my dog's just being silly and I can be on the floor playing with him and be silly. And Yeah, exactly. It's It's a real... It's an amazing outlet, outlet, not only emotionally but physically as well. You you have to take them out. You can't. Um, I mean, yeah, pugs probably don't walk as far as other breeds, but still, it, it's a reason to get out the house to do stuff. It's sociable as well. The amount of conversations I've had with complete strangers, where you you're bonding over um, dogs, and you know they're, they're interested. You're you're always interested about other another person's breed and how well they act and you know there's lots of uh nuances around oh yeah the, the, the standard questions of oh what breed are they are the cross you know and it, but it's a nice way to interact with people that maybe you wouldn't necessarily speak to on a different occasion yes no we definitely recommend dogs definitely. so um feng shui did you get into that independently or of acupuncture or at the same time or how, how did that happen because um, I, I didn't learn much about that in school. Yeah, it's it's something that I I got into probably around the same time that I started getting acupuncture. Um, I really became interested in it. I think I was I was always drawn to it um, because my year is uh my my year is the monkey so um when i went traveling i kind of liked playing up to the fact that i was a monkey it it um let me get away with a certain amount of cheekiness so it was yeah it was it was just like it was a passing thing at first and then the more i read into it um the more interesting it became because i started learning how how it's more specific than you might think um it's not you know you very often if you get you you'll get a general type of astrology in the same way that you get a general type of astrology written in a paper that isn't necessarily um oh yeah pisces this week is xyz um and it's aimed at all people reading the paper so it it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything to you but when you look into how it's divided into year month day and hour and how all the stems and branches interact with each other um and also with the energy of the year and the energy of the month and the energy of the day and you know and it, it 
there's so many permutations to it. There's so many uh, layers um, that it's so fascinating. And I barely even scratched the surface, to be honest with you. It's always been something that I wanted to dive into deeper, but it's um, it's it's opening Pandora's box. There's just so much to learn. And I'm still learning my trade as a, as a practitioner, let alone trying to integrate a, another a completely complicated system on top of that. But the, I think the, the story that really fueled um, my, my want to learn more was hearing about um, master practitioners in master Chinese medicine practitioners in, in places like Hong Kong who would just take your day and time of birth and then treat you. They wouldn't need any wow. that would just that would give them enough information about um what your constitution was like and what is happening at that particular day, month, year, um, that they would be able to work out what is what's going on with you and, and treat you accordingly. That's amazing. That really um, blows my mind because obviously in Chinese medicine, we know that the health of the parents at the time of conception is, is really going to determine your own gene and, and your own mm. development. But then there's, yeah, the, the year and the month and the, and the hour of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all the way down to that. And um, it's interesting I, I, yeah, I want to learn more. I'd love to be able to apply it more in a um, physical treatment kind of sense. I think um, what I'd like to do first is start applying it more on the understanding my clients better um, front first. Because if you can understand a person's uh, general personality through their their day and time of birth um, before you see them, you already are going to get an idea of maybe how they're going to react to any sort of lifestyle advice. You know, if you've got that type A person who comes in, who's very yang, who doesn't like to stop, if you're already pre-warned that they might be that kind of person, you can think more clearly about how you can help them with um with advice uh, of what they can do to look after themselves without having to come up with something on the spot because you give them what you would normally give to people and they go, that won't work for me. Uh, so then you're like, oh, okay, I need to do something else then. Across the board with, with all clients or patients, whatever term you use, there's always this element of getting them to make the decision to do something to help themselves i think it's a great skill as a practitioner to be able to guide them to make that realization themselves and doing it by i suppose asking them questions about what it is that they can do you know in your mind you're already thinking do this do this do this pick this pick this um but they may not necessarily go for it so you you, you kind of have to steer them gently in the right direction um, to make the decisions themselves. 
Okay, so for our listeners, we decided to do a little exercise, which is mm -hmm. my chart. <laughs> so I'm really interested to see what we find out about myself. Well, there was there was a lot to go on, actually, and um, the first thing that uh, the first thing that you start with people's personal character is usually determined by their day master and their day master is the um, heavenly stem of their their day uh, of birth so you have the stems and the branches so um, you have eight different characters of um, combinations and your character for your day master was yin water so yin water people are usually full of imagination Uh, and are therefore quite creative um, and they have ideas that are far from ordinary um, and often unstructured and free-flowing uh, but this can sometimes lead to being a bit erratic um, and also unpredictable and elusive Well, okay, so people cannot see me, obviously, at the moment, but I'm just laughing because there is so much of that. <laughs> so, yes, go on. Okay, um, natural multitasker. That would be. And you generally rely on gut feeling and intuition rather than uh, structural analysis. This this can generally, this draws you to unconventional wisdom, which is would make sense why you went from a very structured kind of world into Chinese medicine because it is that kind of unconventional way of thinking and seeing the world. It's really interesting because basically I followed a very um, conventional career of studying, you know, engineering and getting a degree and all this stuff because it was the done thing at the time. But I remember um, my best friend always said that there was a hippie inside of me <laughs> and that hippie started coming out, you know, yeah. so I worked in the corporate environment, but I started taking time out to go to India to do yoga. Yeah. And it got to a point where, yeah, in the end, I just couldn't contain the, because I was finding myself at work trying to make decisions that I needed to justify analytically yeah. because this was computer science you cannot say actually my gut feeling yeah but I was really making decisions on a lot of gut feeling so yeah okay so another interesting thing there is um, a thing called peach blossom chi um, and classically peach blossom would meet would be um, given to a particular animal sign And that would be the person that uh, that would be the sign that you're most likely to have romantic involvement with. But in the, the more modern version of that is this is the sign that if it appears in someone else's chart or if it appears in your chart, it's likability more than anything um, rather than romantic involvement. So your peach blossom animal was rat and you have rat as your month of birth. So in, in the setup, the year is for your friend's family network. Your, your month is attributed to your career. Your, your day is attributed to yourself and your spouse. And then the hour is your, your children. So having rat in your month, which is the peach blossom, shows that 
you build good working relationships because people will like you and you like people. Um, so that's that's a really good combination to have is, you know, you're always going to be getting on with people that you work with generally, especially those who have rat in their sign. I would say I have really good working relationships uh, within my close team, but there's always been conflict in the, I'm not good in the wider arena. Like, okay. I, I, I think there's probably the opposite of likability and with there'll be someone that you clash with as well. So I would imagine that maybe the people that you're clashing with are, would be that one. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't see from my reading what um, what your clash would be. But um, there's, you've got an area of profiles as well. So these are your uh, talents, essentially. Um, and you scored very highly for a warrior profile and a friend profile. So warriors are determined, loyal, and authoritative um, as any good soldier should be but also with a tendency of being impulsive and when in an unhealthy state can be quite risk adverse that's it yes yes and i'm laughing because um i remember so we had the student clinic in our third year mm -hmm. and you know we had we were in two shifts and we had to organize ourselves within our shift and uh because i've been working in a corporate environment for so long, I was on it. I was like, right, this is the schedule. This person is doing this, that person is doing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and months later, I remember someone, not to me, but they said that um, that it felt like um, like they were in the army. <laughs> 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 so yes, that would be my warrior coming out. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that in a warrior. Um, yeah, definitely. Funnily enough, warrior... Uh, profiles are suited to corporate organizations and hierarchy, um, government, military, um, or coaching as well, um, whether that be life or sports or whatever. I, I also have um, quite a high warrior profile. The, the coaching element for me is, I've always thought, important because that, that is part of what we do. We are, uh, we're not only the physical practitioner but also we are coaching people through whatever they're going through in their life at the moment so i think that's a strong plus for certainly for practitioners um and the other side the friend i mean the friend kind of does exactly what it says on the tin but they are great connectors they're good at winning people over and um and intro making introductions networking optimistic and em empathic as well empathetic mm. so they're good in public relations and events sales marketing that kind of thing but they also make good entrepreneurs because you know a lot of that is is about making those connections with other people making connections with other business and and um, being that person who is making introductions yeah i think my inner entrepreneur is coming out now because yeah, you become an acupuncturist and you're like, yay, I'm an acupuncturist. And then you're like, okay, and now how am I going to <laughs> make my money? And yeah. um, particularly, I think I've tried to really use this lockdown time to 
to do the podcast and the other day I just walked into there's an osteopath um, next to my clinic and I just walked in and introduced myself and I said look I really would like to refer you some people and mm -hmm. um, yeah so I think it's, it's coming out but it wasn't something that was actively encouraged by my environment for a while yeah yeah well I mean the thing that you can do as a friend if that's if that's something that you want to grow and, and get better at is getting involved is the first step and and getting out there and introducing yourself um absolutely and finding working in teams is good as well even as an entrepreneur having a support network around you is really important i've, I've heard you mention the fact that you have sessions with nava carmen doing the uh, mentoring side of things uh, and that's really important you know, keep creating a group of people like you're doing with this podcast of people who are at a similar or same level as you within industry. That's that's another way of working together as a team um, and, and being resourceful, using the skills that you have from previous life experience and applying it to what you're doing now. Yeah, and I think for because for me there was a pivotal moment. I think it was um, so back in February we went to Kenya on safari, mm -hmm. and it had just rained. It had rained, so the Masai Mara was really quite muddy. Mm. So we were trying to see, and um, there was there was a rumor that there was a rhinoceros and a baby rhinoceros. So we were chasing that, but on the way we stopped because our um, driver wanted to talk to another driver that he just saw, and they just said hello to each other, and they swap numbers and you know they had a nice conversation and then we saw the rhinos and on the way back we got stuck in the mud yeah we got stuck in the mud and it was the most terrifying thing because this was really tall grass we had just seen lions mm -hmm. and my driver just our driver just jumped out of the car and started walking in the tall grass to get reception on his mobile phone and i was like oh my god but in the end the end result is that four more cars arrived and immediately they started pulling they pulled our car out of the mud and then another car got stuck <laughs> <laughs> it was like two hours of mud and pulling cars out um, but on our way back i was saying to him well that's really good that you made that connection that you met that guy and you actually swapped numbers mm. and he said he said you have to have a network in the bush he mm. said if you don't have friends in the bush you are it's over for you. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit what is a danger of being a new practitioner is that you find yourself alone in your little clinic. Yeah. And it's so easy to not be, or it's difficult to build a network. It's easy not to build it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely fear attached to reaching out. I've found anyway in, in the few years that I've been practicing, there's a fear to reaching out to other people because we are driven as a society to see other practitioners as competition and uh, but you know there's plenty of people for everyone uh, and reaching out to that person you never know maybe you can help them more and they can help you back it's um it's something that i'm trying to do more of now certainly and um and i, I would like the youtube channel to be um, part of that as well it's a I want to I was my plan with it was to create these videos that not only am I introducing it in a simplified way for um, people who don't know much about Chinese medicine but also so that other practitioners can use that as a resource and and share it 
with their clients and and say oh that, that's a really good question i've got a great video i'll send you a link for that and then they can focus on just doing the treatment side of things rather than mm-hmm. I, the amount of times i've been fielding questions whilst trying to treat and i'm not giving either my full attention and not doing either very well at the same time so i thought that was just that was that was one of my original intentions with it that's that's a great idea. Tell me more about it. So when when did you have that light bulb moment when you were like, this is what I want to do? My brother was the person that suggested it to me, actually. Um, probably about three years ago now, uh, I was I was in a clinic in, in Blackheath near where I used to live and things were picking up. But my partner was pregnant with our first child. And there was a lot going on with that. And at the time, I just didn't feel like I was in the right space to add something else to my my very busy plate. Um, so I kind of sat on it and thought about it. And we, we had our first child and I started thinking about it more and more. And it kept coming up and it kept coming back. And I thought, this is something I definitely need to do. But it still wasn't quite the right time. Um, and then... I, at the time, the BXC sent out a um, a request for um, questions or something to do with a, it. It was a town hall kind of situation that they had a few years ago. Um, and I sent in a couple of questions. First one was about how are the BXC intending on supporting graduate practitioners, um, bearing in mind that the drop-off rate in the first five years of people that study is incredibly high. I think it's something, you know, it's more than 60, 70% of practitioners after five years of studying aren't doing Chinese medicine anymore. Um, And the other question I had was, how are you... Uh, intending on um, influencing the new generation of practitioners, bearing in mind that schools are closing all the time. How are, how are you going to get the message out to young people, because they are the future of the industry, um, about what we do and why it's amazing uh, and why you should consider a career in Chinese medicine? Uh, and I got a personal response from Paul Hitchcock, um, who was CEO at the time. And we had a couple of meetings and uh, I mentioned the idea that I had about making short form videos, three to five minutes long of uh, digestible content for the general public. Uh, and he he really liked the idea and he said, what would you need to do to make it happen? So I said, I would need funding to work on it two days a week exclusively. Um, and it would probably take about two years to get serious traction from it. And he said, I'll see if I can find some money for you. Um, so we, I, I made a pilot for him where I put the, the concepts it's, it's pretty much similar to the one that I'm using at the moment. It's very, very close. Uh, I sent him a pilot episode and uh, and then I got an email maybe a week later saying, 
Biaxi and Paul Hitchcock have parted ways. So I I mm. went back to the drawing board and thought, okay, so it's not going to happen now uh, in this way. Um, that was about two years ago. So last year in October, I went to a business seminar um, on the recommendation of Ian Stones, who uh, was uh, ex BXE all-rounder. He was the student liaison when I was a student, and he was doing the Guide to Safe Practice uh, oh, yes. <laughs> role before leaving recently. Uh, last year, I think it was. Anyway, um, I went to this weekend uh, business seminar, and it turned into something much greater than that. And there was, I, I got a lot from the weekend. It kind of opened up a, my eyes to the fact that I'm still not doing what I want to do. Um, I've been letting life get in the way of my career, essentially, uh, and allowing that to keep me in a place of fear and this the work that we did on that weekend released me from that and it was then that I was thought I need to do this now I need to start producing content and and get on with it and again I went back and sat on it for a while because life got in the way uh, so basically the pandemic has been a blessing in disguise for me because it's created all this time at home to sit down and do the things that I've, I've wanted to do for so long. So I just one day said, right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now and started producing. And I'm about a month, six weeks in now, I think. So still very early days, but really, really enjoying the process. You've touched on so many important points. I'm really, I'm really glad I'm having this conversation with you because I have personally been worrying about yeah, recent graduates, particularly the people of my cohort, all of mm. not not just from my college, but from all the colleges that graduated in last July, September, October, and how hard this is hitting us. And yes, it just would break my heart to see people not practicing after having put so much of their soul in it. And I think acupuncture in the UK has a PR problem. Oh, yeah. People don't know what acupuncture is. People don't. I have lost count of the number of people that I say, oh, I'm an acupuncturist. And they say, oh, well, does that work? What's that for? What can it help with? Yeah, I, I yeah. totally agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a PR problem. And I think as an industry, we've been fighting a battle with western science for so long that and a lot of it's been banging your head against the wall they just don't want to listen and from my point of view it's it's not a science problem that we're dealing with it's a language problem and it's a pr problem and the only way to move the industry forward is to get the message out to the general public that what we do is is amazing and has been amazing for thousands of years and that it's not what other people may want you to believe it is. Okay, yes, right, there is an element of what is known as woo-woo in it only because there are practitioners who have a particular frame of mind. But on the whole, the the evidence suggests that Chinese medicine is a science. It's it's methodical and logical, and it's been developed through observation and experimentation 
over a very long time. The dictionary says that, you know, it's the observation and experimentation over time that makes it a science. So it, it's just informing people, letting people know that it's out there. You know, we've all, we were always told at uni, you know, you've got to be careful about what you say because the advertising standards agency and et cetera, et cetera. And like, well, actually YouTube is a public forum and what we're doing is I'm creating opinion pieces. So this is my opinion about what I do and I'm sharing that information that way. So you can't tell me off for advertising because I'm not advertising. Um, I'm sharing information. It's, it's different as far as I know. You know, even the we would think these days conventional, conventional medicine is coming to it because what I have seen, it's certainly been my experience of, and of many of my friends, is that the best conventional medicine doctors have an element of an extra kind of like spiritual connection or mm. sixth sense or something. For example, one of my best friends, she was going to do um, IVF. So, you know, you go to the consultation and then they book you in for your cycle but the doctor that was she was having the consultation with said something like okay so we're going to start the cycle in September unless you get pregnant first and literally she got pregnant like she was literally waiting for her period to arrive before she would start the medication yeah (laughs) so for me when she told me i was like that is amazing because i'm pretty sure that doctor planted that seed yeah in her head that it could happen yeah so these things happen even with conventional medicines so i don't know why sometimes we're a bit scared or embarrassed to Mm. put them out there (laughs) yeah i think i don't know i think that there is generally people are generally afraid of what they don't understand and because chinese medicine has developed in in a country in a well in a continent in, it's not just china it's you know oriental it's eastern um and it's it's based on philosophies and um the language is pictorial and therefore it's still open to interpretation what translations are so you know there's a lot of elements of yeah it could be this but we're not quite sure and that's not western programming that's not how our brain is is brought up to understand things you know we're brought up this is this and that is that and this works that way and you know it's not there's no margin for yeah, it kind of works like this, but it can also work like that. And at the same time, they can work together or against each other. We, you know, it depends. Um, there's no, there's a lot of juxtaposition in that way, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, the guru of um, Ashtanga Yoga that I practiced, he used to say, same, same, but different. Mm. And it used to wind people up enormously. It's like, what do you mean, same, same, but different? But yeah sometimes it was literally same same but different yeah yeah exactly exactly so this is very exciting when what's your launch date um well youtube channel is up and running um a better pace uh and i i've got four videos up so far i've got outlines for another four i will be filming and editing all weekend when i'm not looking after my two-year-old and I, I basically have a 
rough idea of content for at least a year. So um, it's going to be a case of planning what comes out when. So my next set of videos are summer-based videos. Uh, I'm going to be covering summer uh, and and joy and heat as a pathogen. They're all you know things that will come up in the in the coming months, and I, that's I want to try and keep things topical and interesting for the viewers because my main target audience are people that haven't understood Chinese medicine, but maybe they've always wanted to. So yes, they will. I'm trying to add an element of tips within the video as well. So, you know, we talk about summer, what it's like, and then at the end of the video, they get uh, a top tip for preventative management measurements and top tip for management if you are in the category of being affected by that season or that pathogen or, or, or whatever, it, whatever it is. So, yes. It's- That's fantastic. I really... Yeah, I really like that idea, particularly because I think you mentioned it earlier on, and it happens to me. I get um, very chatty patients, and I get really inquisitive patients. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, it just happens. So it's always like, what are you doing? And obviously, you 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 know, you end up having to say something like, well, I'm trying to tonify your kidney. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean by tonify my And you end up trying to explain and translate. And as you said, sometimes you're like, I really need to focus on this needling that I'm doing right now. Yeah. So yeah. at least my patients, I think they'd be really interested, particularly YouTube is so popular. It's the second most popular search engine um, after yeah. Google. Yeah. And you see people watching videos on the bus, on the train, mm-hmm. everywhere. So Absolutely, absolutely. And people digest the information differently now to, to I mean, even how things were 10 years ago. Most people have short attention spans. They would much rather watch a three to five minute video on a subject, but then watch four or five three to five minute videos back to back than watch one 20 minute video. So that idea, trying to keep it into bite-sized chunks was always, always the basis for what I was doing. And the other thing I'm trying to do is to make sure that I'm using as little Chinese medicine language as possible and, and talking around the subject without going too deep especially in this early days while I'm trying to work it out more than anything because there's there's so many elements to creating content in especially in YouTube especially the way that I'm doing it which is kind of uh, in a I'm trying to be as entertaining as possible to keep it interesting so yeah if you add all the elements you know you've got presentation filming editing lighting writing scripting oh it it goes on so shorter videos are better because they're less work but actually one five minute video is 45 minutes of me stumbling (laughs) the words (laughs) well that's fantastic as usual I always have this thing in this podcast where I could talk to people for like three hours nonstop, <laughs> but I have to keep them to a certain um, length of time. So what I will do is I'll thank you so much and I will recommend that everyone goes immediately to YouTube and check 
a better pace. And that's the name of your website as well, isn't it? Uh, yes, it, the website will be a betterpace.co. That's in, just being built at the moment. But yeah, please, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, uh, and, and of course, YouTube. Uh, send me a message. I'd love to hear from people. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, be a contributor and and help with the process, as I mentioned, there's lots and lots of things to do. So if anyone would be interested in getting into the world of uh, YouTube video production, then please get in contact. I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Liam. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. This is an amazing podcast. You're doing great work and I'm I'm sure everyone is getting huge benefit from it. I certainly am. I'm I'm following everyone that you have on and keeping an eye on uh, what they're doing. And that's that's I think what I'm hoping to do. We're building a community and yeah, yeah, and exactly. it will come out stronger <laughs> from all this yeah COVID thing. Yeah, fighting spirit, the warrior spirit. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye.